0: As a person approaches the book of Acts, he realizes that Luke has recorded a number of very important events that are now taking place in the early New Testament church. As a person studies Acts chapter 7, he realizes that there is a powerful lesson, sermon delivered by Stephen. When you get to verse 58, it tells us that they dragged him out of the city and they stoned him. And they laid their garments, their clothing, at the feet of a young man by the name of Saul. We go on and read Acts chapter 8 and you learn in verse 3 that Saul made havoc of the church. He had gone to the chief priest and gotten letters to permit him to go to Damascus to arrest and bring back captive those who were of the way. While Paul was almost at the city of Damascus, very near, there was a light shone from heaven. It blinded Paul. From that point, he had to be led into the city by those who had been traveling with him. He was a man who had been blinded spiritually, and now he was a man who was blinded physically. He was a man who now was given the opportunity to see, and he would be healed, giving him an opportunity to see physically as well. There's an intense pressure to try to stop the spread of the kingdom. You have to remember, on the day of Pentecost, there were about 3,000 people added to the number of the disciples. You continue to study on, and you realize Luke tells us that there were then 5,000 men. That didn't include the women. And then multitudes, both men and women, are obedient to the gospel. The church, the kingdom, is beginning to spread rapidly. We learn from Acts chapter 8 that they who were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. And so it did not matter whether it was Stephen who was preaching in Jerusalem or whether it was Philip who had gone to Samaria. The gospel is expanding. People are being converted. And there's an intense pressure to try to stop that. Those who were trying to stop it were those who were zealous for the traditions of their fathers They have been reared in, steeped in Judaism, and they believe that that was the religion that everyone should maintain. There's got to be some way to contain this new and powerful religion. One of the individuals that stands out is a man by the name of Saul. That's his Hebrew name. Paul is his Greek name. That's usually what we call him by, the same person. But the powerful thing that Luke records for us in Acts 9 is the conversion of this man. How you had a man who went from one extreme to the other. He began as Paul the persecutor. He became Paul the penitent. And ultimately became Paul the preacher. Let's look as we try to take a few minutes to study Acts 9 And we see the change that took place in this man who became a great man of God. Let's look carefully at verses 1 and 2. Then Paul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if any were found who were of the way, whether men or women, He might bring them bound to Jerusalem. All you listen as Luke introduces us to this man Saul. He's breathing threats and murders. I get the idea like an old bull that's breathing out, and he's just he's wanting to do harm. And Luke uses the word murder. He is willing to kill people. Because they are Christians. Listen to Paul as Luke records for us how he viewed himself in Acts chapter 22, verse 3 I am indeed a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of our fathers, our law, and was zealous for God, or toward God, as you are all today. I persecuted the way to the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. Paul says, I had this intense hatred, if you will. When you get to Acts 26, as he's before King Agrippa, He says, "I Indeed, I myself thought that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison. Having received authority from the chief priest, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. When Paul describes himself, he describes his thought process. I thought that I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus. I believe that was my obligation. I believe that's what I was supposed to do. You know, I I know people who are convinced of something even though they're wrong. And they believe that the right way to handle things is through violence. And that's exactly what Paul said that he did. And he said, uh, I want you to know, I I was so enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. On Wednesday evenings, we're studying from the book of Galatians. In chapter 1, verses 13 and 14... For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. I didn't want the church to continue. I believe that Jesus was a fraud. I believe that his followers were dangerous. And he says, I was more zealous for the tradition of my fathers than many of my contemporaries. That's a very true statement. Paul was more intense than just about everybody else. And when you get to 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 13, he says, Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Paul said, I didn't know the truth. I was a blind man. And that's why I was a persecutor. Is because I was a blind man. But when you're studying Acts chapter 9, you realize that Paul's reputation preceded himself. You heard read just a few moments ago that Paul's supposed to go into the city and he will learn what he must do. The man that God chose to go to Paul was a man by the name of Ananias. And when God says, I want you to go to this man Paul, Ananias is a little bit reluctant to do so. Why? He said, Lord, I have heard from many about this man. How much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call upon your name. Ananias said, Lord, I'm I'm really afraid of this man. But God's going to send him anyway. Paul had pure, though misguided, motives. In all of Paul's life, everything that he did, he believed that he was doing the right thing. He would say in Acts 23, verse 1, looking at the council, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. Why then was Paul a persecutor? Because Paul did not know the truth. Paul had believed a lie. Jesus was the Christ and he was blind to that. And so Paul is the persecutor. And I might ask the question, what if you had been Paul? What if you had been reared like he was in the city of Jerusalem? You had been trained to be zealous for the traditions of your fathers. What if you have seen all of this and you feel like it's my job to stand up and be counted here? That's who Paul was. But you see, Paul didn't stay the persecutor. There was something that changed in him. He became the Paul, the penitent. Right after he had seen the Lord on the road to Damascus, and he was blinded. Paul is now going to go into the city of Damascus waiting to hear what God will have him to do. You see, Paul during this period of three days while he's there has got to be pondering in his mind all the things that he had done. He had blood-stained hands from the martyrs of people like Stephen. You know, you go back to Acts 7 verse 58 and you read that and you realize... Paul is there holding the garments. Why is he all to get him? 1 Corinthians 15 verse 9. Paul would say, For I am less or the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. When you look at all the other apostles, these were men who had started with Jesus. They had stayed with Jesus, but now Paul... He had been a persecutor. That had to go through his minds. The regret. And I would ask each of you, have you ever said something or done something that later on you felt awful about it because you knew at the time you were trying to do what was good but you realized then it was really, really wrong? Even though Paul was given the Privilege of preaching. He still reflected on himself, and he says, "To me, who am less than the least of all saints, was this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ?" I don't understand why God would choose me. Paul would say, to do this great job. And in writing Timothy again in chapter one and verse fifteen, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. If each of us were to stand with the Apostle Paul and would say, Paul, I have been a bad person. I have made choices that were wrong. And I have done things that were, were grossly sinful. And Paul would say, you've not done more than I have. I tried to persecute the church. I tried to destroy the church. But now I am so sorry for that. As you read in Acts chapter 9 and verse 9, he refused food and drink for three days, pleading with God in prayer. And he was three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. And then he goes on to say to Ananias that he's praying. What must Paul have prayed during those three days? Lord, I'm sorry that I have persecuted your name. Lord, I am sorry for persecuting your church. Lord, I am sorry for the death of men like Stephen and others. But you see, it was the goodness of God that led him to repent. Paul looked at what God did as a matter of grace. Not that he deserved it. No, God looked at Paul and said, This man's a chosen vessel of mine. And Paul would look at this as an opportunity to change his life. When he wrote the Romans in chapter 2 and verse 4, he would say to them, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? When Paul wrote that to the Romans, don't you realize he's thinking in his own mind God was patient with me. God gave me the opportunity to repent. Or when he wrote the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. If I'm going to repent, if I truly have godly sorrow, what will that do in me? What kind of change will it bring about? Paul would say, for godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. For observe this very thing that you sorrowed in a godly manner. What diligence it produced in you. What clearing of yourselves. What indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication. In all things you proved yourselves to be clear in this matter. You see, when a message hits you and you realize that's right, I was wrong, how do you respond? Paul responded with godly sorrow and it changed him. When you and I are like the Apostle Paul and we hear that the things we have believed, the things we have practiced are not in harmony with God's will, then what does God expect us to do? He expects us to do something to change it. True sorrow over sins will lead a person to obey God. I want you to listen to Ananias as he walks in and he sees Paul and he says, Paul, here's what God wants you to do. And now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Acts 9.38 tells us he did that. Acts 26 verse 19, Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. What I was told to do, I did that. And you think about it in your own life. Perhaps some of you are here now thinking, I can identify with Paul to some degree. I may not have killed people. I may not have have thrown people in prison, but I have not lived a godly life. Well, here's what happens when you have a man who recognizes the change that needs to take place. Paul had been a promoter of Judaism. Now he's going to be a promoter of Jesus Christ because he's going to start preaching the gospel right away. Let's look at verses 20 through 22. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose that he might bring them bound to the chief priest? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus... Is the Christ. Notice very carefully. Once he became aware of the truth. He immediately changed into be a promoter of Jesus. Preaching his message. His gospel. So much so that the people are amazed. Look at the change that is brought about in this person. Proving. That Jesus was the Christ. Christ. Paul wrote the Galatians again in chapter 1 and verse 23. But they were hearing only he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy. He has been against the truth, but now he is a preacher of the truth. What a change that takes place. You know, passionate people are good people. If you take a person who's passionate against something that is wrong or for something that is wrong, and then you persuade them of the truth, they'll become passionate for the truth as well. And that's exactly what Paul did. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but... I labored more abundantly than they all. Yeah, not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Listen how Paul presents it now. He doesn't say, look what I have accomplished. He said, it is by God's grace that I am what I am. That he's given me this privilege. He's given me this opportunity. And it is his grace that is with me that allows me to, to accomplish this. Paul's loyalty was now to the Lord. Who are you, Lord? Now he sees the truth. Jesus is Lord. He is the Son of God. Paul had become blinded by his own prejudices. Have you and I become blinded sometimes when we look and see the way we want things to be rather than the way that things really are? Have we become blinded to the truth that Jesus is Lord and we do answer to Him? Oh yes, there will come that day when you and I will stand before that great white throne and each of us will answer for who we are and what we have become. Sometimes our loyalty is misplaced. We sometimes are loyal to our family I was reared in this, or I was reared in that. And we don't ask the question, what's true and what's right? We just assume that it is. Had Paul just remained loyal to his family tradition, Paul would have never become a part of the Lord's kingdom. Paul was man enough to admit his sins and seek the Lord's forgiveness. And that's where we end our lesson today is Will you? Will you admit Jesus is Lord and He is the ruler of our lives? If you need to become a Christian, do what Paul did. Paul became a Christian when he was baptized for the remission of his sins. Why are you waiting? Is the question that Ananias asked him. Why are you waiting? If you're a child of God, it's time to come back home. It's time for us to be family and to work together for the Lord's cause. We're going to sing number 272. I've decided to follow Jesus. Paul did. Will you come as we stand and sing?